This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 438 of the Yellow World Pods. I'm your host Stefan Botsko and today we will talk about a perfect week to start the season, the deadline day. And of course we will discuss if Borussia Dortmund are officially back in the title race. And we will preview Saturday's game against SA Freiburg. For all that and more, joins me Carver from the BVB podcast. Yes, you heard that right. This is a very cool crossover episode. Hello Carver, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, you you already had me on, uh, so I think it's only fair that uh, you come on my show. Obviously, uh, we're missing Jake. <laughs> I don't know if you want to say what happened there. That's definitely my fault. I forgot about the time zone difference when we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> you messaged me like, we're ready, and I was like, I completely forgot about that, and Jake was busy, unfortunately. So, Jake, I personally apologize, and you're with me here in spirit. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm glad this uh, works out at all because um, my wife uh, needs to go grocery shopping at 6 p.m. <laughs> and so do I, actually, because then uh, we need to go to Jersey Mike's and have dinner. <laughs> this is our big plans for tonight. So, um, Best yeah, spot. obviously, yeah, um, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Jake, uh, that you couldn't make it uh, being in... I don't know, work meetings or whatnot. Uh, and yeah, yeah. obviously the B4B podcast or BVB podcast is how you say it, I guess, um, is your little project. So before we talk about Borussia Dortmund and all things, maybe just uh, talk about how two guys from St. Louis uh, started that little project. Yeah, so we mentioned it, I think, at the beginning of our show, but him and I were actually DJs a few years back. And we did we had a show together. Uh, talked for a bit and then we just kind of parted ways for a few years and then he approached me about two years ago and was like hey i've been watching soccer over the past few years and i remember you saying you were a dortmund fan and i know he worked in radio for a long time now and then so we talked about that idea for a while and he kept saying how excited he was to do the show and i was like we could see where it goes for a bit and just you know uh, have fun with it and we did and it's it's been a blast since and he's been an incredible partner for this journey i can't thank him enough for everything he does yeah, I'm actually really happy because uh, I love listening to Borussia Dortmund podcasts more than I love <laughs> recording them, to be honest. <laughs> so this is actually quite nice because I do listen uh, pretty much to every episode that you put out there. I, I mean, I listen to a lot of Dortmund podcasts, come to think of it. Uh, you know, the uh, Ruhrnachrichten podcast and uh, I think the Sport1 one has now one and I also listen to the Rasenfunk and... Uh, uh, multiple other podcasts and of course off Ohren uh, if and when they have an episode but that's all in German so yeah. it's also <laughs> nice to have another one um, um, in English obviously we have uh, Belief in BVB yep. uh, by Tilo who is of course from the New York uh, fan club that's also always a good shout out but uh, yeah let's dive into it because uh, we we have a lot of things to discuss today is of course deadline day and uh, breaking news, <laughs> Nico Schultz is still a Dortmund player. I think uh, he was not in training and people were like, ah, he might leave. But uh, apparently, officially, he is just sick. 
Yeah, right. I think he was just uh, <laughs> sitting on, uh, with his packed bags at the airport all day waiting for his agent to tell him where to go, but nobody obviously in their right mind would uh, sign Nico Schultz right now because of the salary and whatnot. But uh, we did... I hate the word get rid, but <laughs> this is essentially what happened of talking Hazard. <laughs> so, cover. Uh, it's only a loan deal. He uh, joined PSV, so that's probably going to uh, reignite his uh, offensive you know, streak or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Dortmund do not have to pay his salary for at least half a year, I think. So what do you make of uh, Torgen Hazard's career overall at Dortmund, considering uh, he came together with Julian Brandt for, I think, $25 million a piece or so? Yeah, what a summer that was. I think we got Schultz. I mean, obviously Schultz didn't pan out, but we got Hazard, we got Brandt that summer. It was, it was, it was a big summer. And I thought his first season, he went very well. Um, he was very unselfish. I mean, he's always been unselfish with his play, but you know, Holland's first game, Hazard giving him that goal, that tap in to kind of boost his confidence, that kind of showed a lot about his character. His work rate's always been there. He's been a professional on and off the field. Just doesn't seem like it's really been cutting it when it comes to the quality of his game for the past few seasons. And it doesn't help much that we've also been kind of pushing him a little bit further back into the field, like you mentioned of you know, his offensive game kind of being reignited maybe or potentially at PSV because we've been trying to push him back almost as like a fullback at times for the last year yeah. or so and a half with with us just being very unsure of Guerrero's abilities. So, Yeah, I'll be honest. I've never been in love with the idea of talking as, as a left back. Mm -hmm. I think this is a waste of talent. And um, yeah, I don't have his stat line in front of me, but I thought he al always had a pretty good production and he was always a hardworking player. So kind of annoying that it didn't work out because I thought he would make the next step at Dortmund and uh, establish himself on international level because that's where his trajectory seemed to go. But if he can't beat out the hapless 60 million wing of Daniel Malen and <laughs> Karim Adeyemi, who we, of course, will talk in a bit about, then, uh, yeah, that's tough. And, of course... Again, not really a winger, even though he had to play on the wing for Dortmund for the most part, but I feel like, like so many other uh, attacking midfielders, uh, he is more happy in the central role, maybe as a false nine, maybe even, you know, hanging back from the striker. or so. Um, so, yeah, I think Dortmund do well if they just actually focus on uh, on wingers. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's it frees up some salary which I guess is good for Dortmund because they need it, especially since they're still paying Nico Schulz the big bucks every yeah. month. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you make out of this uh, transfer window overall? Uh, Dortmund have also signed Julian Durenville from RC Anderlecht, a uh, 16-year-old uh, hotshot talent. Mm -hmm. He is a right winger as far as I know and a true winger. You know, let's compare him to maybe Jamie Bino Gittens a little bit, a skilled player, very fast but obviously um, he joins the pros, so not just like Prince Anding uh, for the under-23, but of course still very young, very raw, and uh, then of course Julian Ruerson as a right and left back, I guess, w which we have already seen. So overall, what do you make of this uh, winter transfer window? I would say it's been a pleasant surprise. It seemed like from the board and Terzic himself, the majority of the fall consistently saying that we weren't going to have much of any business this winter and then come along January and we're kind of cooking up some things, or at least Kale's been cooking up some deals here. 
and some good ones at that. I mean, there's some sneaky business of getting Rearson. Uh, Union Berlin, of course, was not happy to have or let a talent like him go. And on top of that, getting another reinforcement out on the wing with Durinville. Um, it's been pretty solid. I mean, of course, you're not going to fill every hole in one window. You're not going to fill every hole in one year. But it looks like we're kind of starting to make some real investments into much-needed areas that need to be addressed for a long time now. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about Ruerson uh, right now if you want, because um, to, for me, it's it's time to move on. I don't really have too many more opinions on the transfer. <laughs> we know I think of everything that needed to be said, you said. And obviously, he was uh, <laughs> very prominent in the beginning of that Mainz game, which uh, we unfortunately still have to discuss because uh, we didn't so far on this podcast. Um, he, of course... Uh, had this very weird miscontrol early in the game that led to the corner, and then uh, he failed to mark uh, Lee Jae Sung. He, um, yeah, just scored a header off the corner that Ryerson conceded basically, and then uh, two minutes later he scored himself with a deflected shot. Yeah, it's almost like for like with the Schlotterbeck error against Augsburg, and then two <laughs> minutes later going back to score himself. So they're redeeming themselves a little bit, I guess, in that sense, but. Um, I mean, Mainz, of course, is always going to be a tough team to break down. And we had some rough moments at first. Of course, just like you mentioned, with not marking early on against or in that set piece, it's another problem or another cause for concern for this club for a long time now. But uh, grew into the game relatively well. Had a little bit more stability with Chan kind of dropping between the two defenders. It's funny how like Chan kind of has this cycle, if you like, since joining Dortmund of like, getting into uh, a starting 11 for maybe a month or so, getting some pretty decent performances here and there, some clean sheets. And then he just has like a train full of error after error. And then he's taken out of the squad even for months on end. And then it just kind of repeats. So um, I guess it's kind of good to have him back and playing well. And we got the three points and got out of there. <laughs> yeah, but that's pretty much what happened. There was a smash and grab. Uh, Giorena, of course, um, of that uh, sweet, sweet uh, Sebastian Allaire assist, which, uh, yeah, was just... Uh, I don't know. I don't know why, but I was sitting on the couch watching this game and thinking to myself, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I'm pretty confident that somehow Dortmund will find a winner. I was thinking I the mean, exact uh, same thing. Especially with all the substitutes. I mean, you have Jamie Bino Gittens on there, you have then Jay Urena on there, you have Sebastian Allaire on there. Um, I think it's pretty much the same tactic as it was against Augsburg, where you uh, <laughs> try to tire out the opponent and then bring on the good guys, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or the better guys, if you will. Because uh, I once again was not really impressed with Daniel Malen, uh, Adimi, or Mukoko, to be honest. I mean, in the first half, there was a stint of dominance where Dortmund also created uh, two really good chances. One is where Mokoku just has to square it off to Adiyemi and it's uh, two to one already. Mm -hmm. And the other one was also Adiyemi just uh, lifting the ball uh, very closely over the goal. Otherwise, this two would have been a goal. And I think from there, had Dortmund taken the lead earlier on, it would have been pretty much straightforward. But nevertheless, um, Mainz did have... You know, the final 20 minutes, they had a couple of chances uh, to actually go ahead themselves, and Dortmund did not have many ideas at all, apart from that corner kick, which then they utilized, and yay, set-piece <laughs> scoring for once, you know, continuing a trend from Augsburg, so that was very nice to see. But otherwise, I do not have too many notes on this game, if I'm uh, 
honest, because I just want to move on to the Leverkusen game because that's more recent and uh, I feel like it also makes you feel better <laughs> about Dortmund and the situation overall because Dortmund now have moved into fourth place in the league table, uh, leapfrogging Freiburg, who of course uh, will be our next opponent. But uh, more importantly, the first three games in 2023 have yielded into nine points. Not every team can do that, you know. Bayern Munich, for example, have only scored three points out of uh, three games. So there, which makes the Bundesliga, of course, a little bit more interesting now overall. Uh, I don't know <laughs> how much uh, we want to uh, talk Dortmund into this, but, you know, with three points of the lead, these are the hard-cold facts. Um, and I think my favorite fact about the whole Leverkusen um, game or overall uh, matchup is that we swept them with a shutout. Yeah, uh, That's very rare considering usually these games are goal fests. I think on the last episode I predicted a 17 to 12 or so. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, because I Dortmund did not deserve any seriousness. But now maybe they do. And, uh, you know, let's talk about the starting 11 because we had, of course, Kobel and Gold and we had Schlotterbeck And Zule and uh, wing backs or left backs uh, and right backs were uh, Rierson and Wolf, Oshan Bellingham midfield, and Chan, uh, of course, and then Adiemi, Brandt, and Alea up front. And uh, yes, you heard that right. Sebastian Alea with his first start, considering he looked pretty fatigued after the 25 minutes or so against mm -hmm. Mainz, I was surprised. But what do you make of Sebastian Alea uh, already uh, this season of the three games? He is. Uh, Doing pretty well, huh? Absolutely. And I, I know you guys mentioned this last week already, but just even his footballing skills aside and his abilities aside, just the motivational factor in general, just glooming over the whole squad of, you know, him being back and beating such odds in just a matter of months is is nothing short of incredible. And on top of that, of course, he's been pretty fantastic as well. He, I mean, he hasn't been banging in a lot of goals yet, but he's helped tremendously with the link-up play. He's getting himself into challenges. He's helping out with build-up. So I'm I'm very happy with him. And this and this lineup was, I think a lot of people were like throwing around what it could possibly look like, just given with all the names thrown <laughs> around. It's like, is this like a four-three-one-two? I guess with Adeyemi going up top. I don't know, but nevertheless, I mean, one of those rare moments where Terzic kind of had a little bit of a masterclass, you know? Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the funny thing is the first, what, 20 minutes or so, Dortmund uh, had basically a back four. Yeah. And I don't know if it's down to having Armin Reutershahn on the bench. You know, I don't know what uh, the factor is there, but uh, pulling John back into the build-up, uh, you know, solved a lot of Dortmund's problems. And uh, I said on the last episode, ideally when you have Falea starting, I want to see... Uh, a 3-5-2, if you will, or however you want to line it up. But I want to see uh, three at the back and uh, then two wingbacks because Dortmund's main issue so far uh, for a lot of stretches this season has been losing possession out of their own build-up. And just having one more uh, player that you have as an option that is free and not being pressed by the opponent's um, attackers because uh, I think Zulu said it himself in a post-game interview that Leverkusen were pressing them with three attackers all the time. So having Jan, who of course has played a centre-back himself this season, uh, drop back, was actually quite a genius move. And uh, I think we have to, and especially I have to give kudos to Emre Jan, <laughs> much maligned Emre Jan, because uh, I thought he had an excellent game. 
Of course, he had this one little pass, uh, back pass that was uh, nearly a disaster pass, but otherwise um, doing pretty well. And um, yeah, I was impressed with this adjustment because, uh, well, first of all, I, I would have made the adjustment before the game already because uh, I'm, of course, smart and I teased it on the last episode. But nevertheless, it's good to see that Dortmund did react to Leverkusen. And I thought uh, played a pretty cons comprehensive defensive game. Obviously, they will always have chances because they're by Leverkusen, they're stacked. But uh, I liked it. Um, so what what are you making of this overall lineup? Because, uh, you know, we have a few prominent DNPs here. Rafael Guerrero not playing, mm -hmm. Mokoko not playing, Reyna not playing, and Malen not playing. Well, I think Malen not playing is pretty much a given. I mean, he's been very very disappointing this entire season so far and and on our show jake and i were extremely hyped for him when he was scoring against 1860 munich in the pokal we're like you know what <laughs> right. it took a while so but he's will. here <laughs> and he hasn't done dick since really unfortunately um i'm imagining guerrero stepped out for ryerson just because of the the pure grit that he's going to bring um, he's going to obviously hustle up back a lot more and he's not going to be so lost in defense. He's not afraid to put himself into challenges unlike Guerrero. So, um, I mean, there's a few different ways. And you he's can also look at not that. out of position as often, Correct, right? Yeah. Just tactically. That's nice. Yeah. But it, it was good to see. So do you think this is sort of a more permanent thing for Guerrero or do you think this was more of a specific tweak to answer, uh, the Leverkusen, uh, riddle with the DRB and whatnot uh, up front. It's a that's a really good question because I've actually asked myself that, and I honestly think it may just be the first one and maybe starting to kind of physical railroad out just because he's looks like he's pretty much gone in the summer, and maybe we're trying to get a head start and adjust and make the a little bit more of a new system now with him in there. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I, I was I was pretty. I mean, the first twenty minutes was shaky. I, it, even defensively, were decent, but offensively, we couldn't get much going out with the build up or anything like that. So that was a little rough. But when we were able to grow into the game a little bit more and and get ourselves involved, that's whenever we started to uh, look a lot better on and off the ball. Well, I must say, I was actually really impressed with Dortmund, considering that they are Dortmund and that Bayer Leverkusen had just uh, won five games in a row, Yeah, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So I certainly expected Leverkusen to be much more threatening. And um, what I really liked is the aggressiveness of Dortmund after those first 20 mm -hmm. minutes where they were, as you said, a bit shaky. But then the counter-pressing, man, that was crisp. Yeah. Adiyemi making some really good runs. Sebastian Alea, you know, you fit enough to to back it up too. And uh, with uh, John and Wolf and uh, Ryosan and, and whatnot. And of course, Zule and, and Schlotterbeck. You basically have a really good team overall to counter-press the opponent and to really, you know, hunt them with some dyn dynamism dynamism <laughs> dynamism yeah <laughs> dynamism <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh, because Hummels of course was not in there so Dortmund did not have too big of a pace disadvantage let's say Schlotterbeck obviously not the fastest but otherwise um, I thought that um, this was something we haven't seen in a while work as well and uh, if we talk about things that might have been worked on in the training camp because after Augsburg and Mainz you have been asking yourself what exactly have they done other than attacking set pieces i think this might be the answer because mm -hmm. uh, i think it looked much better than uh for a very long time granted uh they also are much fresher 
now in terms of uh, having fresh legs and uh, being mentally fresh because uh, if you remember this hounding schedule before the World Cup, yeah. obviously you will not play a high-intense pressing system so what whatsoever. But nevertheless, I thought um, the way Dortmund put Leverkusen under pressure and then uh, ultimately created a goal from that was just beautiful and uh, Carver just talked me through the goal because I think there are so many nice things that happened there. Yeah, I was actually going to say, so going back to Adeyemi, of course he hasn't, before this game, he hasn't scored in the league at all, but I think Haller is the perfect answer to his game. It's it's going to create loads of space. I mean, if you go and watch that goal, I think there was like three out of Leverkusen's back four just trying to surround Haller, which gives Adeyemi acres of space and uh, it's a great cross in from Brantz there and even a more brilliant uh, awareness from Sebastian to kind of like have the awareness around him to leave the ball for Adeyemi. And once Adeyemi gets the ball and settles it, he t- you could see he like takes like a breath and he's like, all right, it's going to pass yeah. this into the net. <laughs> and, that, and that's that's totally fine. And, and you could just feel the weight lifted off his shoulders the second that goes in. I mean, he celebrates, but then just kind of sits and he's like, thank fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I think... Uh, the the relief on on his face was just so visible but uh, yeah i feel like you almost left the most important part out of this goal which was of course uh, how Dortmund won it with brand and uh, wolf mm-hmm. pressing i don't even know who it was might have been tapsaba or so um probably wrong but uh, i i think just the way Dortmund won the ball and then very cleverly passed i think bellingham with brand that was just uh, really nice to see that looked like, uh, you know, football with an idea, yeah. let's say. And this is obviously something that we have uh, not seen in a long time. We often talk about what is Dortmund's identity. If it could be that, which it used to be in the past very long time ago, I'm happy, you know. <laughs> obviously against Bayer Leverkusen, you have the perfect opponent for that. Um, and another thing that really irks me is that why is it called a dummy that Sebastian Alea said if it's so smart? <laughs> Big brain thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this is a question that needs to be asked. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I was very happy with uh, the game went, and uh, I have to I have to admit I did not watch it uh, in perfect condition because I was working basically while the game was happening so i did not have you know the 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 closest eye on it as i usually have but nevertheless i thought it was sort of simmering in the background if you will because leverkusen never really threatened dortmund whatsoever yes there were a couple of world-class saves by (laughs) Gregor kobel of drb let's give credit where due but otherwise i i never really had the feeling that uh, leverkusen had like a big uh you know face of pressure where they really had Dortmund on the ropes or anything that never happened in in fact uh I thought when the halftime whistle blew that Dortmund were pretty much in control and after halftime they you know just continue where they left off and uh, to me that's a very positive sign because this Dortmund team has tripped over itself so many times so I'm yeah. very glad that they just you know put in the second goal which was an own goal by uh, Tapsuba, of course, in the 53rd minute. And uh, from there on out, I feel like Dortmund were closer to the 3-0, <laughs> mm-hmm. considering there was this one goal line clearance, than Leverkusen was uh, to that 2-0. So overall, what do you what do you make of this game? What do you make of the substitutions? Uh, how happy are you that Dortmund um, yeah, kept this clean sheet too? 
Well, it helps a lot to have a keeper like Kobel in your side. I mean, I see some people online saying like if if the team offers, you know, 100 or 150 for Kobel and I'm like, you know what? No, I, I think Kobel is really he doesn't have a price right now. He's not in any sense for sale. And he said himself that he if he were to spend, what is it, 16 years or so at Dortmund like Weidenfeller, then he would have a happy career. And the man is just truly incredible. He dances on his head pretty much every single game minus the game at Berlin. But um, <laughs> keeping aside... It was a slip. Yeah. It was just a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, besides that, I, I get, like just like you mentioned, I was very happy with the performance, just barring the first 20 or so minutes. But you got to give yourself a chance to grow into the game a little bit more. I was a little bit surprised that initially with Modest coming in as a sub, I just personally thought with Huller being back to, uh, I'll say full health, I didn't think Modest wasn't going to see much of any minutes. But I'm imagining just, you know, I think he has a really high stat for uh, clearances. So we're, you know, trying to defend those set pieces. So, and then you have a typical Jamie Bynum Gittens. I'm glad he's getting more minutes. He's another game changer. And then it seems like Hummels the past few games too, just coming on to, lock up the game and then you have Royce coming on as well to ease back into the game so you have a f- yeah. f- close to full squad which is very happy come back with three points and we're now three points off of Bayern and in the top four so couldn't really ask for anything is, better no that is amazing had you asked me at the beginning of this uh restart let's say I would have not predicted that especially not nine points I mean obviously Dortmund can beat any opponent at any day but uh, mm-hmm. them actually doing it are still two different things so yeah it's it's nice to see the, the captain back it was nice to see that uh, Mats Hummels can also help to close out a game like this um, but nevertheless <laughs> I have to ask you since you two are residing in the US of A mm. Uh, what are we making of the limited role of Gio Reyna right now? <laughs> yeah, quote unquote. <laughs> um, it's 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 a it's a whole bag, you know. And yeah. I, I said I said last week it, the best thing Gio could do right now is just keep his head down, be a professional, and just and just put in the work and try to get results with the team. And and two winners and two not even oh two weeks, just one week, excuse me, um, is is very convincing. Um. I mean, I I really just don't know how involved he was with the whole situation with his parents. So that just leaves me a little bit skeptical. I'm really hoping the case was he wasn't involved, but um, just that's all I can ask for him right now. Just be professional and and, and try to put in the work on and off the field and, and get us some wins. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't want to speculate about that either, but mm-hmm. uh, it's certainly... The Jir or the the Rainers, let's say, are not uh, the favorite soccer family in the United States right now. I think yeah. that is uh, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously there are also different uh, few storylines. Of obviously, I just want to talk about Yusuf Mukoko. Of course, mm-hmm. he just uh, got his contract extension, but he's struggling. Yeah. To, to, you know, may, maybe expectedly because uh, you know he is not a completely uh, developed player yet, and of course um, his best way to play would actually be next to Alea, which is correct for Adeyemi and mm-hmm. also uh, Malen. Mm-hmm. So Dortmund has three players for one position, really, if you if you, if you really look at it on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he right now, when he has to play striker, he does not have a striker to play off of. It's uh, just he himself. So what do you make of this? I mean, it's a big wage to to live up to, so... It's it's going to take time, I feel like, to Mukoko to just kind of come back down to earth and 
and just try to contribute to the team. I feel like maybe the weight being taken off his shoulders a bit with Haller coming back might help him a bit rather than just consistently forcing him back into the starting 11 and not performing and repeat. So maybe it's good that he's kind of getting a little bit of a break right now. I'm not saying I'm happy about it by any means, but um, I'm happy that Haller is back and we have someone else to rely on now that an 18-year-old isn't really cutting it at the moment at this kind of level. Yeah. Yeah, just just goes to show though because there, there was obviously a lot of um back and forth in mm-hmm. the in the news cycle about Mokoko and uh, you know signing him on was obviously not easy but um yeah, obviously it's not easy if you have, you know, just gotten a race and now you need to perform better. The expectations is a little bit different now maybe. Um yeah. Uh, let's let's keep an eye on on how he will do, but I feel like he might actually be better as an impact sub anyway, because he has fresher legs. And uh, someone on the um, Rasenfunk podcast, um, I think it was Mark Schwitzky who was a uh, Hertha fan. He was also already on the Wall Pod. He said that having Mokoko on is a bit of a luxury because he is in his truest form more or less a poacher. He's a finisher. He does not really add much to your build up. Or um, you know, has a good hold-up play. So what he said is that you need to have everything else figured out if you want to have Mokoko in the field because you need to have um, you know, players that can set him up. But the problem, of course, if if Malin and Adiyemi have the form they had, uh, you know, less for Adiyemi now because I think he had a really a tremendous game against Leverkusen. But uh, yeah. That, of course, uh, does make sense to me in the sense that um, Marlin, of course, uh, sorry, Alea is much more involved in, in the build-up and whatnot. You can see that he is not on the <laughs> peak physical shape mm-hmm. yet, and I think that's obvious uh, for why that is. But uh, still, you know, he has just more IQ on the football field. He is just, uh, yeah, more savvy, more experienced, you know, the the gulf between Alea and Mokoko is still huge. Yeah. And he has just returned uh, from <laughs> from cancer. So that is just it's it's a miraculous story, if you mm-hmm. ask me. So I'm I'm really happy with that. So now of course, if we look at the Bundesliga, we save Bayern Munich in first, but they are on 37 points, then Union Berlin are on 36. RB Leipzig on 35 and then Dortmund and Freiburg on 34 and behind them are Eintracht Frankfurt on 32. So top six within five points. Obviously the goal difference uh, between Dortmund and Bayern is still uh, massive. Bayern are plus 36, Dortmund are plus eight. Um, But nevertheless, um, at least from my perspective, the Bundesliga does look way more juicy than it often does. Um, obviously, I've said it often before in this podcast, the Bundesliga will only be interesting again once Bayern lose Neuer and Lewandowski. But guess what? That has happened yeah, now. Yeah. And uh, what do you think we can now expect going forward? Just not from a point of view, but maybe from a Bundesliga point of view. Yeah, so with, I thought it was funny that with Bayern Munich drawing th- three in a row, and then they just go ahead and you could see the reports of uh, Nagelsmann having extreme pressure, and then as well as signing Cancelo out of absolutely nowhere. And it's like, oh, great, <laughs> you just get three ties, and then you could just pull that off. That's awesome. Um, but I mean, this yeah, this league is very exciting, and and let alone to this point of the season, 
I think in the last few years, we've had races like this where it's like five or six points separate six or seven teams. But now we're going into February and it's still this wide open. Usually the second half of the season looks like Byron hits their stride. They're uncatchable, but it's it's almost the opposite now. And they're kind of stumbling a bit with people creeping up behind them. So I'm, I was very pleasantly surprised. I thought with six losses in the first half of the season, I wasn't even going to sniff of anywhere near even the top two. But uh, just happy to be here. <laughs> it's funny, though, because if you only look at the win column as a Dortmund fan, you can look very, you know, pleased at it because yeah, yeah. only Union Berlin have won 11. You know, Dortmund have one more win than Bayern, mm -hmm. actually, this season, which uh, is unheard of. Obviously, uh, Dortmund also have uh, five more losses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because Dortmund have only one draw. Um, so far this season, so it's a lot of hit, hit and miss for, for the black and yellows, but uh, yeah, I personally am excited, you know, I, even even if it could all feel like all over again in like three match days down the line, this can always happen, but uh, nevertheless, for this moment in time, I'm excited and I would love for Dortmund to keep it that way, but in order to do that, they need to beat SC Freiburg on Saturday, and the problem is that SC Freiburg are a really good team and then Dortmund barely beat them. I mean, it was a 3-1 in the end um, last time, but I think if it weren't for that goalkeeper error of Mark Flecken, um, Dortmund would have not come back to win this game. So SC Freiburg, of course, sit in fifth place, as I previously said. And, uh, you know, they're doing okay so far. I mean, they have one loss, <laughs> inexplicable 6-0 drubbing against Wolfsburg. Yeah. But uh, they bounced back with the one-all draw against Frankfurt. I think you can say that. wasn't an emphatic win, but uh, it was a really great game between two of the best teams in the Bundesliga. Um, and uh, then, of course, a 3-1 win against Augsburg, which looked very comfortable, more comfortable than Dortmund's for the 3-win against Augsburg. So, Kava, what can we expect from SA Freiburg as they make their way to the Westfalenstadion on Saturday? I don't even know what time it is. Is it the afternoon kickoff? Yes. Our, uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, they're obviously a very well-drilled team. I'm hoping that they'll look just as disorganized when they came to Dortmund last year under Rosa. I think that was arguably the best game we had under Rosa. Definitely the best first half we had under Rosa and just completely pinning Freiburg in their own half. Um, but yeah, other than that, again, well-drilled. They attack and defend very well. They've got a handful of good goal scorers in this team. Gregorisch continues to impress i think if i'm not wrong i thought they got gregorish on a free transfer um yeah so i mean they're always yeah great in the, with the business and the transfer windows um I, I just think our main priority should just be not trying to kill ourselves and minimizing these mistakes because we create our own problems constantly uh going back to conceding from building up from the back i think with the first goal we conceded against Augsburg, that was our seventh goal that we conceded from buildup this season alone, which is just, it's pretty shocking in my opinion. And so out of the 25 goals we've conceded this season, seven of those are just from really our own hand. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping Terrace takes another good look at this one and, and can try to minimize those. I think like we mentioned before that Chan helps a lot with that and helping progress the ball. And of course you have Jude coming back as well. Have other personnel. Ashan is out, though. Mm -hmm. I think he is suspended, isn't isn't he? Yes, yes, I saw that. I think it was his fifth yellow card. And then Dehoud yeah. looks like a question mark as well. I haven't seen 
like any confirmed reports of what the deal was when he was out against Leverkusen. I think initially some people were thinking it was a shoulder thing again. And then uh, some people were speculating maybe it was like a personal thing, but no reports came for that. So I I don't really know what the deal is with that. But I'm looking like we're going to probably hopefully address that uh, central role. Yeah, I really do wonder about the hook because maybe... I mean, there were some rumors that he had some sort of beef with Eden Tessic or so, but I'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. um, what could have happened there. But um, Which would be shocking because he was one of those players that Terzak revitalized, you know what I mean, under, exactly, his, under exactly. his first spell. But then again, Modahut is, is a curious person, so who knows <laughs> <laughs> what, what is going on there. Um, but um, yeah, I actually am quite excited about Dahoud back because... Um, I think he is a vital player and mm-hmm. uh, I think Dortmund need to utilize him. Now, obviously, I want to see sort of 4-3-3 set up or at least a, th- a three at the back and three midfield sort of uh, thing because I think stability first is still the credo for Dortmund and I'm okay if we have a midfield three of uh, John. Dahoud and Bellingham and mm-hmm. then uh, of course um, I don't know be it Hummels or Schlotterbeck or Zule in central defense and uh, would you keep the backline set up from last time or would you actually change it? I'd, I'd probably keep it to be honest with you I mean if if there's any change I would make it might be one of the center halves but then again I thought Schlotterbeck besides his uh, mistakes against Augsburg I think he's looked pretty solid so um, it just depends. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, on the it is against his ex club, so he should be more motivated too. Mm-hmm. But who knows? But w- what I find interesting is that uh, Marius Wolf at right back looked really decent, and Rioson as a left back also, you know, he, of course, he had a couple of faults against DRB, but apart from that, I thought he was just doing pretty well and uh, a very good balance of. You know, defensive prowess and uh, attacking capabilities. What I also liked about Riasson is that he actually sometimes, when he had the ball, just took it and ran forward yeah. because I expected him to just recirculate possession. But he actually ran at Leverkusen uh, uh, defenders and uh, managed to create space and uh, win his one we won. So that was actually really encouraging because you do need a fullback then that also can go forward as a as Borussia Dortmund. There's just no other way. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There there are a lot of options now. Tasic and his team have uh, actually a lot of depth now to, to choose from. And, uh, yeah, I'm also really excited about Sebastian Alea probably being just one bit more fitter than he was against Leverkusen <laughs> just because of, uh, you know, already having played the, I don't know, what was it, like 60 minutes. And, of course, his first home game from the beginning. So... Yeah, Should be a fun one. We can only hope for a hat trick in front of the yellow wall. That would be incredible. Um, and obviously, I've, I've said it a bunch. It's it's a good problem to have for a coach looking at a lineup and thinking, who could I put in? Because we have so much available as opposed to the lineups just kind of picking themselves for what seems like the last two calendar years now. So I'm glad Terzik has a little bit more at his disposal. He can experiment a bit, maybe not against clubs or against sides like this, but uh, at least he can has a little bit more leeway to try different things. Well, I mean, he does have options to cater to the opponent's strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. right? But uh, obviously, politics is always also a factor 
in these things. And of course, I'm talking about Marco Reus, if you yeah. haven't guessed it. He's the, he's the club captain, so basically he should or ought to be starting in some form, but if you ask me, I do not see a spot open maybe next to Alea and taking uh, Adiemi or Mukoko or Malen out, if if you ask me, but uh, Julian Brandt right, right now is probably one of Dortmund's best players next to Jude Bellingham uh, in terms of outfield players, so uh, I do not see a, a good argument to take him out. So how would Coach Carver handle this? I was going to say, say that again for the people in the back, Stefan. How many times have Jake <laughs> and I been backing Brandt for so long now and people wanting to get rid of him in the summer and he continues to prove everyone wrong, which I'm very happy about. Uh, I, I, I guess it looks like Royce isn't back to full fitness, so I probably would start Brandt, maybe have Eddie Emmy a little bit further up. And again, he can kind of have that space next to Haller and then bring Royce on early, mid-second half or so, depending on how the game's going. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something that I really wreck my brain about because just on pure performance, I don't think there's a, a quick way back for Marco Reus in this team. But obviously, we all know about his quality as well. And um, yeah, it's a shame that uh, his fitness isn't where it needs to be. And also, there is this looming contract extension. Will he extend? Will he not? You know, what's going to happen there? So a lot of questions I have, but um, yeah. I, I don't know. At this point, it's it's a wait and see kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, any other thoughts that you have on Borussia Dortmund this Freiburg game, uh, or anything else? Not uh, just besides really excited to see maybe Stefan, uh, Stefan Sebastian, net one here <laughs> in front of the yellow wall. That's that's going to be a sight to see. I mean, it was it was just uh, incredible to see the standing ovation that he got when he initially came on for his first home game. But now he can actually get out and get a little bit more minutes and hopefully score. That's that's going to be something I'm very excited for. Yeah, I mean, ideally, <laughs> you would uh, want to score in front of the yellow wall. So since he's probably going to play more in the first half than the second, do you try to switch the directions of play at the beginning? Do you, do you play toward the yellow wall in the first half? Mm -hmm. Is that a thing you need to think about? Or... <laughs> I haven't taken note of that as well. If, if, if you, I feel like we'll probably go against the yellow wall in the second half. That's what usually that I'm seeing, but yeah, right. we'll see. Well, usually that's how it is, uh, except if the opponent wins the uh, coin toss and mm -hmm. then uh, deliberately changes it to th change things up. But as far as I know, that does hardly ever really work out for the opposition. So I would refrain from that. But uh, then again, Dortmund often do beat the opponents at home, no matter what. And, um, yeah, I, I guess then that means it is prediction time. I don't know if you just want to give me a scoreline or elaborate because uh, it's it's tricky. It is tricky. <laughs> um, I'm going to be optimistic here and I'm going to go 3-1, Dormant. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Haller hat, tr hat trick. He's too overwhelming. And then we somehow make some sort of silly mistake. All right. Yeah, I, I think Dortmund are going to... It's really hard because putting three past Freiburg is odd, something we've done before, but also really hard. But then again, I feel like there's going to be a certain dynamic in the Westfalen-Scharren on Saturday. I don't know. I feel like we just need to jump on this train right now and uh, 
just have our hearts broken as per yeah. usual. <laughs> but then uh, for for the time being, I think there is uh, a bit of optimism warranted. And um, I don't want to say I fully trust this Dortmund team, um, but at least there have been a lot of encouraging and positive signs. So um, I think 3-1 to one is, is a good uh, scoreline prediction because uh, Dortmund certainly have it in them to score three goals at home, especially if you have uh, Alea on the field. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this game. I actually cannot wait to get up at nine yeah. <laughs> on a Saturday. And uh, for you, it's actually even a little sooner, right? You have to get up at eight. eight so, yep. uh, <laughs> so there you go. But um, yeah, Kava, uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. Uh, I now have to go grocery shopping, but not before you can tell our audience where to listen to the B4B podcast and uh, all the other things that you need to plug. You could just find us at the BVB podcast, but I just wanted to say two quick things. One, again, Jake, I sincerely apologize about the time zone mix up. <laughs> I would have loved to have you here and <laughs> I feel horrible about that. And then two, I wanted to say again, a, a very sincere thank you, Stefan, to having us on our show, on your show. Uh, I said this again, whenever you were on our show back last fall, but I remember a few years back when I first discovered you guys' show, I was working at UPS and doing overnights. And when I first found your show, I just, I probably did like four episodes in one night during one of my shifts. And I just Jesus kept going Christ. every <laughs> a few days and then just more and more after that. And you guys are a fantastic resource. I, I love all the guests you guys have on. And um, I'm, I'm just an honor to be here. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, I think I can spoil this, right? But I'm going to be on your next episode. As yeah. Well. <laughs> so yep. uh, I'm, I'm already looking forward to this because, as I said uh, in our DMs, that this is a good opportunity to then uh, compare our takes from this episode and <laughs> yeah. see how wrong we were. So Jake, I guess, uh, is going to be in a lucky position that there are no bad takes from him. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, talk about this game now. Obviously, um, are we going to do this before or after the the cup match against Bochum? I, it depends on I guess whenever Jake is free. He's, the man's always <laughs> in meetings. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we, we we shall see. But uh, the next week is obviously going to be very interesting uh, with the cup game as well. It's it's weird that they've sort of. Um, sliced the cup match day open and uh, we had uh, Wolfsburg and Union Berlin today where Union Berlin uh, made it through to the next round and we already had uh, Stuttgart also beating Paderborn I think so a few results are already in and uh, Dortmund then will play against Bochum next week which will be a dogfight for the ages but that is all from us for this week as always everyone out there be it working for UPS <laughs> night shift or not. Uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, we shall be back with an episode next week to discuss the Freiburg game and then preview the Bochum match. Until then, everyone out there, have a good time. Hopefully Dortmund can have a fourth win on the bounds. It was fun to talk to you, Carver. Honestly, uh, <laughs> screw Jake. <laughs> this was fun. So uh, until next time, goodbye. <laughs> that was great. No, that was a blast. <laughs>